This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I have the entire party on to recap and react to the shocking events of HLP's episode 100. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. back yeah we're back after episode 100 baby oh my god episode 100 in the can as of two days ago we got the crew back together to talk about it Whew. we needed to while it's fresh we had on the to. Mind. yeah we're gonna we're gonna introduce them in just a second but we can't delay man what are you drinking tonight i'm celebrating being done with episode 100 indeed uh as you know it was a little stressful in a good way for me um, and so I'm having some Angel's Envy on the rocks. Wonderful. Um, I am drinking another one of these pack IPAs, ones that I shared with Brooks. I have two cans, uh, two cans here. I'm going to drink them both. I'm not sharing them again. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of which, we have, we like I said, we got the entire team on here because there's so much to unpack and talk about and just, you know, peek behind the screens. So welcome to the show, Brooks, Emily, Haley. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Hello. Beautiful to be here. It's been far too long. The, oh, man. So much distance between us all these days. It's good to get back together and talk about Pathfinder. All this day? There's, has there even been a full 24? <laughs> good question. Just barely. Uh, just barely. barely, yeah. We last saw each other at, what, one thirty yesterday? Yeah. It's been too long. <laughs> too long. Brooks, what are you drinking, man? Uh, going, uh, White Claw today, uh, watermelon, because it's delicious. Wonderful. And Haley, what you got? I am drinking some high quality H2O. Mmm. I see. I see. Disappointed, but I accept it. (laughs) And Emily? A lemon White Claw. I'm also disappointed, but I accept it. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, how is everyone's life post 100 going? It's good. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, I know I've had the duties for a while. Just curious when you're going to turn that sirenscape on. It's a good question, Griff. It's been a long time since I've done it. And uh, today we're going to be listening to um, Don't Hurt the Musicians from Tavern Brawl. So my post 100 life has been okay, but I feel like I left a hundred almost as stressed as when I went into it, knowing what's going forward. I don't want to talk about that yet because we're going to get to that soon, but how's everybody else doing? I feel great about the things I've done. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there were a lot of things in there that surprised me. I'm still recovering. Might take me a few more days. (laughs) And, and that actually kind of transitions to not the first question I have written down, but one that I thought of this morning. Um, just pull the room here. We kind of decided that this is what we wanted to do about a month ago, and we were we were getting we we're trying to get a spe- to a specific point in the story. But if you turn the clocks back a few months ago, did you see episode one hundred being this talk to a god? 
birth Ikmer into basically the full-blooded Prince of Wolves, big Saw fight, team up with Saw, and then end with a big cliffhanger. Because personally, I didn't. I did not guess, I wouldn't have guessed any of those things. No, absolutely not. <laughs> so, I had an idea of where the pacing was going when you guys finished up book two. And I was not sure we would get to this point for 100. I thought if we if we played book two like we or played book three like we played book two, we'd still be in Askinor or something. So what I was kind of banking on early on was Eclipse getting to five corruption points, and uh, that's where that's where I thought. 100 was going to start off like if I had that opportunity and that lined up that's where I was going to take it um, but you guys did a great job investigating and like moving the plot forward and so about episode 90 I think I told you guys like hey if we can hit the ground running for these next couple of episodes there's a spot that I think is absolutely perfect to start 100 and we made it we did it. By the way, Griffin's thoughts there that a uh, uh, you know Eclipse getting to five and you know, totally wrecking havoc, all of that stuff. Because that is what he thought could potentially happen. I then got to hear him, you know, kind of put those thoughts in my head and keep kind of <laughs> edging me every now and then. Which I, I honestly, I did think I, I for a long time I didn't think like Eclipse was gonna make it in some way or another. So I thought that that could be what 100 might be. And are, and are you disappointed that you haven't betrayed the party yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eclipse is very helpful. It's it's good to have you around. Um, Brooks, Emily, thoughts? What did you think we would do for 100? Personally, I thought it could be like another evil interlude or some sort of side story like the the Eclipse thing. Did you guys expect to, to come into it like we did? What? Oof. Uh, 100. Uh, just... The number overall, and one year ago, or even six months ago, I was not sure of like anything. I was so focused on just trying to be, I don't Are know. You saying you're sure Ichmer. of stuff now? <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely not. <laughs> See, I, I mean, episode 100 was this crave case that I'm still trying to trying to digest. And it's, uh, yeah, uh, if I knew where it was, anything was uh, going to be six months from now, I would be lying. I was really surprised in episode 100 that we had so many characters come together because we had like some of Lyra's backstory come in. We had multiple evil interlude characters coming in, interacting with the party in a whole new way, totally unexpected. Uh, so that was something that really uh, surprised me was how much we were able to pull into episode 100. I didn't think we would be able to bring together so many loose ends. Oh, the sheer volume of characters was ridiculous. I said to a lot of people that book one and two were a lot of me planting seeds for this story and planting seeds for your backstories and planting seeds for the overarching characters. And book three to me feels like the first major harvest of all of that. 
especially in a three-parter like 100, we got to see so many threads come full circle and we get to see just as many get built. It's like three book three is this unique spot where I'm still creating threads for the end of the campaign, but I'm also able to actually tie some things together. So on that note, let's just kind of dive into this thing. Um, What I want to do is take each part of this one part at a time and kind of talk through some of the stuff that happened, what you guys were all thinking, what you brought to the table. Um, But to set it up, Griff, I know for a fact that the prep that you did for this, while monumental, was also very different than basically any prep you've ever done. Can you walk us through that process? For 100, uh, I knew there were going to be some campaign changing decisions made by you guys, as well as just some some really crazy interaction. And we were starting the whole thing talking to a god, and I really wanted to have some player input on parts of that. So there was a lot more back and forth with you guys prior to this. I think even even a month ago, especially with Brooks talking about like, hey, you know, I've laid all this stuff out there for your character, but I'm in no way forcing your character to make one decision or the other. But I do know for 100, or I do need to know for 100 what your thoughts are on that because I need, I can, I can take Ikmer this way or I can take him that way, and uh, I can't revoke the decision. So I need you to make one. Yeah, yeah. The fork in the road, while no turning back, starts at 100 for Ikmer type of thing. By the same token, I really needed a lot of Emily buy-in to make the Lyra part of the of the vision as impactful as it was, but also to bring Viv in in that way that just like fucked with you guys. And I thought, <laughs> you know, I, I she was the only person that like knew about that bit. And it's because I wanted her to be able to role play it. Um, by the same token with Eclipse, I asked you the same thing. It's like Desna can remove your corruption. What do you want to do about it? How do you want to play that? Because what I didn't want was a a scenario where um, we're role playing this out and you feel completely differently about it. Like if you didn't want the lopper to come back and I'm like trying to role play him as like this essential character to you or something, and then we wipe him out anyway. And then Steve. I mean, he helped me with you. You were like my, uh, I guess, ghostwriter in part <laughs> because I had so many ideas coming out of me for these visions that I was like writing pages of stuff and using Steve as a sounding board, uh, as and also help, having him help me like kind of flesh out the descriptors and everything. Um, but I mean. As much conversation as I had to have with Brooks, I had to have with Steve because I brought Saw in, and Steve had a very unique uh, perspective on how Saw has grown from Vire, which is the last yep. time we see him, until now. And because of that, we were able to work some of that stuff in, work together to um, to make 
to make what happened even a possibility. I'm not going to say that what happened is what was always going to happen because it definitely wasn't. And I kind of expected, half expected the party to be like, no, fuck this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I wanted it to be an option. And so we talked about it. And and, and we'll dive into that more later. But um, just to pull back the curtain, even even a hair more, we recorded this on a Saturday you and I were supposed to have like a 10 minute phone conversation on Tuesday that turned into an hour and a half. And then we talked again after Rune Lords on Wednesday for like another 20, 30 minutes. And then I think we were texting like all Thursday night. So it was just like bouncing ideas off each other. Um, there's some very, I mean, it's it, one, it comes down to the dice and two, I, we can't predict what anybody else at the table is going to do. So like, so I could give up and Ikmer could just like behead him. Well, what do we do then? Yeah. So it's all those different scenarios. But you had the great opportunity to, if things played out like they did, and they did, you were able to, because we had so much conversation about this, you were able to give the party what Saw knows mm-hmm. in a really organic way. And I didn't have to like intercede and be like, well, Saw would know this, this, and this. It was... It was me being able to, because of the prep we did ahead of time, sit back and let you guys role play as a group for over an hour, which was amazing. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I guess. Now that I think about it, the alternative could have been that Eclipse talks to Saw's beheaded head. Yeah, I do have that That's ability a possibility. now. <laughs> no. Could have been. You, you still actually, could have uh, been Saw talking. Actually, I can't. I can only talk to uh, heads of undead. Ah, oh. mm. I just raised so it. Close. <laughs> so close. So <laughs> close. <laughs> I feel like Matumbe would have a thing or two to say about that. Um, guys, we got four visions that we had right away at the beginning of part one. All said and done, it was seven pages of text. And there was a lot of juicy stuff in there interspersed with some very deep conversations with Desna. I want to kind of talk about the first vision. This was the one that was uh, foreshadowing events that were directly about to come. And I want to bring Brooks into the conversation and Griffin into the conversation. So Desna was directly saying this is going to happen at the end of book three. Is this something written into the book, Griffin? Brooks, what were your thoughts on there? How did you feel coming out of that? two of you guys I want to chat so what's written in the book is that the players have the option of using that ritual to speak with Desna and what she does is she foreshadows um, future events and the way they flavor that in the book is like she foreshadows like the the upcoming boss fights for the rest of the campaign basically Uh, I took that a step further and like was foreshadowing places and character plot hooks and that kind of thing. And it all centered in the first vision around the Prince of Wolves Harrow card, because that's been a constant thread since episode in the teens or twenties when Lyra finds it in the Harrow deck and it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And now I wanted it to be like the culmination of this story and the um, the crossroads that Ikmer has to then decide. Um, so I built the whole vision around that. And that's basically the book three vision. 
Now, Brooks, you hear this, and you're in the headspace of Ikmer. What was Ikmer thinking, and then how did that translate into his conversation with Desna? Well, Ikmer's headspace at the time was... Everybody is telling me this, and... Like, uh, I just met, or I just kind of figured out that I was a werewolf not that long ago. I just uh, found my dad in the woods by a campfire not that long ago. How could this possibly fall upon him type of thing? And everybody, like, like I said, everybody kept telling him that, yeah, you're the Prince of Wolves, but this was probably the point where he embraced the the responsibility. One of the one of I think the most touching beats of that part was when you asked her, "Well, if I'm supposed to be so important, why do I have to do this alone? Or why did I have to do this alone?" No question there. I just really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think that was definitely the question for for Desna that a scared Ikmer would ask. Yeah. All right, moving on to the next one, we had a very um, Lyra and Freya-focused vision. This was um, the one with the cavern and the baby being lifted up. We had a singing role from one Emily Campbell. What did you you think about that, Emily? (laughs) I am not a great singer, so that made me very nervous. And I watched that uh, clip on YouTube, I don't know (laughs) how many times, uh, and practiced a lot to try to be like halfway okay uh, at singing that. So I I was very nervous about that part. Well, you did quite well. And then you had your own conversation with Desna. What was Freya's thoughts going into there? So Freya joined the party right right away after uh, Lyra had died and her whole motivation for getting there was trying to get in touch with Lyra and having this letter to give to her. Um, but of course she was not in time. Um, and because Freya is speaking to an actual god who she has a lot of uh, respect for, uh, she was really looking for wisdom and Mm -hmm. some help on understanding like is Lyra she's Lyra's dead but is she still in trouble and then like what can be done to help her and I think the information she got uh, from Desna and also the letter will help her and the party uh, get to that next step while the while the letter's kind of the subject of conversation do we want to talk about the letter a little bit sure but what, what that means you realize this is a thread from episode three. This letter has been out there for when she's ready, written on the front since. And you and you wrote this on before, right before no. episode three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like Mikhail was left it in the will, and like I don't know how many hours of content later we finally get to read it. That's a slow burn right there. Yeah, that's a that's a slow burner. Talk talk about threads, man. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and and certainly sets up um, 
what I think our characters all talked about is likely going to be our next adventure. You know, once we resolve stuff in Feldgro, we got work to do. Mm-hmm. We got some got some stuff to tie up. So I'm pretty excited about that. And Griff, earlier you mentioned, I can't not brag about this, um, that I did a lot of punch up on some of these flashbacks. The la- for for our eagle-eared listeners, the last this is this is something I'm particularly proud of. The last two lines of that Freya flashback are the same last two lines as Matumbe's eulogy for Lyra, but twisted and fucked up in a way that very much signifies that she did not find peace. I mean, if we're if we're bad. talking about that, uh, I'm particularly proud of the second vision for that kind of stuff because that fishy fishy song was mm-hmm. something Lyra had in a flashback in like episode twenty. And the um, carry me quickly to the sea was actually something Emily wrote in in like a Lyra death sequence that we never got to. Okay. Um, so I wanted to bring it back. And then the, the now sing part, for those of you that aren't Disney fans, <laughs> is directly ripped from The Little Mermaid because Lyra is The Little Mermaid. Um, and so... I didn't catch that. Oh, no, that. you didn't catch that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So there were a lot of... There are a lot of ties that I wanted to make to the character of Lyra because she's going to be so relevant. Um, and because I think a lot of people were left wanting with her death. Uh, it was one of those that I know the people that actually have run or played Carrying Crown that listened to us were so excited to see that play out. So I think this is confirmation that it is still going to play out Absolutely. just in a different way. Our next flashback was one that hit me pretty hard. Um, this is probably the the flashback that even though is most closely related to my character, I have the least idea what's going on here. Um, just some people at a table, some pretty nefarious shit. Matumbe's daughter shows up. That's bad times. And Matumbe burns to death. Yep. So... This this one I I enjoyed a lot, but I I think it's the one I walked away with with the most questions. Yeah, so this is one that I instead of going for like a flash of the main villain mm-hmm. in this, I went for a flash of like what that book of the campaign is more going to be. And so like you have this constant like Ash and Fangs. Yep. And you have this constant, like, not this day, not yet for Matumbe. And it's like there's a lot of repetition in this one because uh, if you haven't guessed, Book 5 is going to have some ties to Matumbe if he makes it to it. That's a, that's a Shaquille O'Neal-sized if. <laughs> um, but, you know, the Fangs at least gave you guys an idea that, like, you know, there's going to be vampires at some point in the future. Sunlight Shit's touches the body. Yeah, exactly. Burn up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, I, I enjoyed this one a lot. And then, uh, we were, again, we were texting back and forth and you're like, Hey, that, that, that book five one probably messed uh, Matumbe up a little bit. I'm like, yep, he's going to be shook. Yeah. And he was certainly shook. He was shook. <laughs> I, I really wanted it to come across as a dichotomy for the character of Matumbe, because I know that that's how, like that's how I want to frame this up, mm-hmm. and I want his character to be thinking about that. Like there's a there's a distinct line in the sand here between his family and his religion. Yeah. And 
it seems that in this vision they're opposed. Mm-hmm. And so that's where um, I really wanted to draw that in now because I want Matumbe to be thinking about it. Yeah, and I think he lets, lets a little bit more vulnerability out than he usually does. But what this for me, frankly, was um, was an exercise early on because I figured if everything played out perfectly the way that we wanted it to, I was going to be RP- RPing super hard into Saw the back half of this, and Matumbe might get put on the back burner for a minute while I like delivered a bunch of exposition and stuff. Turned out not to really be the case. We'll get to that later. Um <laughs> But I wanted to really like deliver some good Matumbe stuff up front because he might be taking a back step in the the back half manner of this. And I had fun doing it. It was it was a challenge, but it was fun. Um, our last and certainly not least uh, flashback was relevant to Haley for a couple different reasons. One being that it was the one right before she had a big, big, important conversation with Esna, but also, because I'm pretty sure everyone can figure out who that old lady is that's baking stuff. So what did you know that was coming? No, I, I actually, of all of you guys here at the table, like, I knew almost nothing about this episode going into it. Griffin had me uh, read the very, very beginning where we get to see Desna as she comes in during one of his rough drafts and asked me how it sounded. But then as soon as it got to Visions, like, nope, nothing. Uh, as well as like, I even, I even remember explicitly like talking to him and like, Hey, what the hell are we supposed to be asking this <laughs> God? I don't understand. Cause he like sent us a text like, Hey, if you are plan to ask us like some questions, uh, you know, go ahead and send them based on like what you guys know. And I was like, Oh, what, what am I missing something in the story? <laughs> like, what am I supposed to be asking? Come to find out it's because all of these guys have their hand in some some part of the visions yeah i had no idea i love it but i had no yeah idea. i wanted the um if any of them was gonna reveal an evil interlude character for the future i wanted that to be in the moment revealed um and i think for for that vision i mean it it's really framing up the final showdown that's what it's it's trying to do um and opal's the big bad well she's a part of that <laughs> um hopefully i mean hopefully she's married to the big bad but anyways <laughs> <laughs> but i specifically wanted eclipse to go last because i wanted her character to have seen everything before Desna talked to her and the reason I wanted that was because Desna offered her an out and and it almost asked for an explanation like how could you walk this path having the evil inside of you that you do and so uh, Haley and I and really Haley had the thought of well I can like, will Desna let me talk to the Lopper before I make a choice? Which I thought was, like, a perfect RP opportunity to talk to the Lopper, who I basically had Desna, like, remove all of the ghosts from Eclipse's head. Yeah, I also thought it was uh, interesting, because now that, like, you know, I came in blind, so that re- my also my reaction to Desna, though, like, uh, 
what do you expect from mm. us is is really both classically eclipsed but also like that is raw, raw my raw reaction realistically like that is how eclipse would be feeling in addition she would want to talk to the lapper because at this point like i mean who knows if this god is messing with us or not she's not exactly the most trustworthy person eclipse is not the most trusting person i should say and so it's one of those things where like yeah she wants to talk to the like the one person who is literally always with her Mm -hmm. so i thought that was good though yeah it was it was certainly non-traditional for the character to have a couple moments where there's absolutely nobody in her head yeah it's like you got a split personality disorder but like everyone is talking at the same time in your head always present and then to finally have the calm where nothing is there i thought was very interesting and although i personally wish we got rid of the lopper in that moment because i don't like the undead um I can look past that for the fact that like Eclipse finally started to take some control in that relationship. And I really, I, I, I enjoyed that a lot where, yeah. she, where she was like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to keep you around. I'm not going to let her kill you off, but know that that's going to cost you. You need to divulge everything and you need to take me to my family. Yeah, no, I felt like that was a good trade off too. Cause like, again, Eclipse has been, this is her new family and she's not like about to just leave it. But she also um, doesn't want to forget about like her family and where she's been. So she wants to make sure that that's the deal. I actually love that. And, and this isn't really episode 100 exclusive, although you did bring it up in episode 100. How since some of the flashes with the Lopper and with Eclipse's family have come up, you've been playing Eclipse more as like a... She's been looking back at her past a lot more lately in, in book two and now in book three. Um, and really thinking about that family that she's been missing for 50 years or however long it is. Yeah, close to. Um, and I think that that's something that I wanted to, with the Lopper, be able to play into. So I'm pretty glad that you kept the Lopper around, not only because he's one of my favorite characters to RP. <laughs> but. I mean, to be fair, like, Eclipse's uh, adopted parents, they died not long before, you know, going to the Lorimore funeral. And then by then it's like, all right, like she needs to meet and like bond with people for the first time, really. Mm -hmm. So I I like, I've I've liked where the character's been going. Yeah. Well, that was a lot of fun. Um, Not very long after we spoke with Desna, we actually leveled up. And although a lot of our abilities and stuff became relevant on air, we really didn't dive into our level ups the way that we normally do. Additionally, with um, that big conversation that we each had with Desna, we each got a specific boon for our characters. So something kind of weird off the cuff that really enhances the way the character plays in a unique way. Um, uh, let's just go in flashback order. So Ikmer slash Brooks, can you talk about what level eight looks like for the character? In addition, what did Desna give you? Level eight consists of another combat feat uh, for Ikmer, two skill points. <laughs> uh, not in perception. Um, and then just and the ability uh, power up. And uh, that was that was about it there. What feet did you take? I took shield focus. Okay. So uh, my. 
Yeah, um, I don't know. At this point, quadrupling down on the AC thing, uh, especially it served with you that. pretty well. It, it yes, served you pretty well. Yes, uh, but the the boon though. Oh boy, I cannot speak to how much help that is. Uh, natural born werewolf. You get the I guess shape shift uh, form. I don't know. You can change change form at a as a move, move action, action rather than uh, risk the the will save, which is, was pretty dangerous for me realistically. Um, and that just boosts everything like crazy. Uh, and then uh, Desna was kind enough to give me a charisma bonus to leave it. Yeah, so well, my, plus one. My reasoning here was that the natural born lycanthrope template gives you in your hybrid form plus two con plus two strength. It also just outside of any of your forms gives you a plus two to wisdom and a minus two to charisma. And Desna's whole thing was like how good of a leader you could be. And while that does require wisdom, you have the bonus to wisdom. I think mitigating that charisma penalty was also important important because like you need charisma to be a good leader as well so everybody else and we'll get to them but like kind of got a a relevant skill boost to like how their character actually plays i knew charisma wasn't really (laughs) like wasn't wasn't (laughs) what made ikmer ikmer but by the same token i feel like it does like ikmer is always the character that comes in and does a diplomacy check even though he doesn't have any ranks in diplomacy and is is like He's doing the talking when he maybe shouldn't be, and uh, and so I felt like the charisma bonus there was actually kind of fitting for the character. Yeah, yeah, I really did. I really did like it, and I think it, it definitely was fitting. Absolutely. Next on the docket, we have Emily with Freya. I know those cleric level ups are very exciting. So tell me all about it. Yeah, level eight uh, wasn't. Too terribly exciting, but she does get a few additional spell slots. One cool thing that she gets at level 8 is an Aura of Menace. So this actually is a 30-foot aura um, that she can emit as a standard action, and enemies take a minus 2 penalty to their AC um, and on attacks and saving throws as long as they're within it. So, I mean, Freya doesn't like to get too close to the fight, but 30 feet pretty good size so i'm sure that'll come into play that sounds like an evil thing yeah where the hell's yeah. the menacing come from so i i thought about that too when i first got i was like oh this sounds a little bit uh mean but she is a stoic caregiver so it could just be kind of you know a stern look, stern of, look. Oh, you I should not that. be doing this right now she's so fucking stoic <laughs> Uh, so that's kind of the thought process I had for it. Not so much like evil, just don't be don't be doing this right now. Sure, sure. And uh, the other half of this, what that boon do? Freya got a very beneficial uh, bonus. So hers was to wisdom, which is her casting stat. So that's great. Um, and she had been talking to Desna about. Uh, the conversation definitely went towards wisdom and knowing how to uh, help the party get to where we need to go. And then 
Uh, for her second boon, she got a feat that should not have been able to take called Fateful Channel. And this is a pretty cool one. So uh, now when Freya channels her positive energy, uh, she grants each creature the ability to roll twice and take the better result on an attack roll, skill check, saving throw. Um, and they just have to do it within three rounds. So that could really save us on some, you know, close calls, really important rolls. Mm-hmm. Being able to give everybody in the party the chance to roll twice will be really nice. Yep. So I, my thinking behind that was, and, and I think we referenced it, when your holy symbol changed into a mixture of Erastal and Desna. And while Fateful Channel is actually a Ferasmin cleric um, feat, the my stolen valor. My, my rationale <laughs> was that this entire conversation, this entire all these visions were your fate. And Desna is the goddess of luck. And so I spun it as being able to change your fate because Freya is now going to be the brave character. <laughs> Yay! So, so I thought even though even though it wasn't quite a Desna feat, it it fits. And I didn't want to give you like the lame variant channel. I wanted to give you something that was like, yeah, this is strong. I want to use that. That's very sweet. Um, as for myself. As people probably picked up, I did take a second level of investigator with the um, empiricist archetype. I mean, that just explodes my skills. So on top of that, um, with the plus one for the level up to my intelligence, that even that out bumped up my intelligence again. Desna bumped my intelligence. What's your intelligence sitting at now? 22. Okay. It's pretty respectable. Um, So... The boon that I received, I I mean, you got a bunch of bullshit, some extracts, that kind of crap that nobody really cares about. Um, But the boon that I got from Desna was, again, also something that shouldn't be available to me yet. It's something called Expanded Inspiration. So previously, I was able to roll free inspirations on knowledge checks, spellcraft, and linguistics. Now I can also roll free inspiration on diplomacy, heal, perception, profession, and sense motive checks. So that with all of the knowledges, that is 18 different skills that I get free inspiration on. So I did the math here. I think this is, this is worth bringing up. Not total skill ranks that I have invested, but total skill points with class feature or like the um, class skills, all the bonus points, things flip into int, all that crap. At level seven, I had 266 points. Three diff- or 13 different skills I could roll inspiration for free on. So average that D6, that's an additional 43.5 skill points. So at level 7, I was th- uh, 311.5 skill points. About. With level 8, the additional um, the additional inspiration and the um, empiricist stuff switching over, that 311.5 bumps up to 410. So that is why consistently through the back half of these episodes, I was breaking the 40s with perception, breaking the 40s with knowledges. Um, I got skills, man. Yeah. No, I got skills. Love it two base built for. And I, I gave you that expanded inspiration because I didn't... My rationale was less of a thematic one and more of a... 
I I know why you dipped in investigator, mm-hmm. and it's because Matumbe is not the best in combat, but with the intelligence he and being a inquisitor, he was pretty good at skills, and you wanted to double down on that, and so I figured. I don't want you to have to continue down the investigator line if you don't want to. Sure. And so here's one of the best skill-related things from the investigator early. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do at the next level up. I promise I have no idea. This is the point where like, I'm completely lost. But I'll figure it out by next time. Um, whatever it is, it's going to be fun. Um, next up, we have Eclipse. What's up? Yeah, so I kind of mentioned earlier, I have a new ability... I can, uh, if I hold the the head of either a haunt or an undead that I have killed, I can talk to it and stuff. So that's a new ability that I have. It's not super exciting, um, but a lot of my focus powers have like minor increases at level eight, just because they're like every fourth level, etc. Um, so there's that. And then my boon from Desna was um, a plus a plus two to my strength, so I uh, can use my strength to fight off the lapper um which is cool because that is uh been much bigger part of my character than i expected <laughs> when i built my character so strength has been good um and then additionally i got a very very cool uh armor like an armor uh upgrade basically that I, will stay with me forever so that's um ooh, what was it actually called so it's etherealness etherealness which, yeah okay <laughs> which you know you guys got cool feats this is a like fifth level armor upgrade now Haley and i talked about it goals. Haley, Haley and i <laughs> talked about it and like you know discussed how hey we're not gonna be like fucking walking through entire dungeons with this shit like if you're gonna use this reasonably i'll let you have it and i can take it away at any time because desna might just not smile on you anymore but I did, you know, and, and you guys did use it that way. Like one of the, one of the best parts about that is being able to scout. Yeah. Like being able to scout the next room, like turning ethereal in a combat can save your life. Uh, and the, the biggest reason why I gave it to you thematically was that so that you could like literally flesh and bone fight the lopper. If, if it ever came to that. That's what I thought, and that's where I, I did want it. I, I'm like, I was going to ask, but it didn't feel like the right time. But I feel as though if I go ethereal, all I picture, what I picture, whether this is what happens or not, I guess, but what I picture is that I go ethereal, and what happens is basically everything that's in my head comes out and is around me, like, basically there. Whether that's true or not, that's what in my head is pictured. So yeah, Eclipse goes ethereal and it's like dumping the bag of holding. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I just uh, last night I watched a kind of shitty shark movie called Forty Seven Meters Down, and there's one point they're, they're like at the bottom of the ocean, and the girl lights up like a flare underwater, and where the screen had been entirely pitch black, she's surrounded by sharks. Yeah, and so like that's what I imagine. Like <laughs> Eclipse click clicks over, and there's like eight people around her. Correct. That yes. were there. The whole time that is exactly what i envisioned so like you know when i that's what i was envisioning as i was like going up and scouting that second floor and stuff i was like man i'm so glad it's so quiet because uh <laughs> like <laughs> they would be making a lot of noise but not a particularly stealthy party no <laughs> I, I don't know yep. and i feel like having a bunch of uh Spil- ghosty boys around you it can't help nope nope 
Well, alright folks, we did have some stuff at the back end of that episode, but we gotta keep this moving. I'm gonna jump into part two. Effectively, we fast forward a little bit, and we are on a, a, a hill overlooking a city. At least in my mind. I don't know exactly what the landscape looks like. But it's a fucking war zone. Werewolves versus the undead. What were you guys, what were you guys mental images? What did you guys think when that happened? When you looked over there and saw the desolation and stuff? What was going through your minds? I mean, I personally... I think we said it, actually. What the uh, This is Gandalf the White. Uh, Ikmer the now in white armor. Uh, coming in to save... The city in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he's it's the Battle of Helm's Deep. Yes. Yeah. I mean, from from black armor to white and from on top of this hill and uh crashing down really. Uh yeah, it's almost like, you know, the werewolves compared to the undead uh are very much like a cavalry charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that was that was my uh vision of it i guess yeah that, that was certainly mine too uh i i appreciated that a lot it was very exciting i really like the punch through the lines and and get back behind enemy lines and then just kind of getting stuck there that's just a a weird thematic thing i enjoyed a lot um and we we did some exploring still haven't figured out which one of us is wearing the goggles because <laughs> we found those and they're very good but we haven't decided um but I'm, I'm just going to keep fast forwarding a little bit because a, a lot did happen there. We, we met a, a ghosty friend who wants Orin Vrood's head. And that's fine. We're going to do that. Um, but then we, 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 we met an old friend. Well, before you met an old friend, you guys decided to strike Team Delta. The building, <laughs> <laughs> which was, yeah. was completely so out of left yeah. field. It was so convenient. There were four windows and yeah. we had spider climb. It was good. It was good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, my head was there. It's like, well, we don't need to fight these wolves downstairs. Like, let's just go for it. And what really, I mean, that, that, it, that was what the map was. Like, we didn't make that up. It was just perfect. There are yeah, there four, four windows. windows. <laughs> <laughs> let's all break through the four windows at the same time. Um, Griff, this combat very obviously is not the combat that's in the book. So what 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 were we supposed to face? Uh, you're supposed to fight Anya, who is not Anya, uh, but I used basically the stats for. There's an anti paladin that very thematically I thought fit what Anya uh, would be, so I used their stat block, uh, and then you're supposed to fight like the two wolves downstairs and two more wolves upstairs with uh, Anya. Obviously, it's a lot harder when you add a eighth-level barbarian were tiger <laughs> uh, into the mix, and so I kind of held off and gave you guys a uh, benefit for having busted in the top by kind of having the wolves downstairs wait for a while, <laughs> like three <laughs> rounds, um, and then uh, you're actually not supposed to encounter Durist in there. But I had him there um, because I wanted you guys to have some kind of stakes in this as well. Uh, 
even if Durston is annoying and whatever, he, um, you know, he claimed to be your friend and was in this bad situation. So I kind of wanted to have like a little bit of a hostage situation going on. Who, who here was surprised by the Durston thing? Oh, I was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I was too. I mean, I we knew he had been taken by werewolves, but I had no idea when he was going to show back up or if he would show back up. I again. just assumed he died. <laughs> I was like, man, he put in those earplugs and he died. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, like I said, he shared a couple pairs with the guys downstairs. That's why they didn't come up immediately. <laughs> 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 these, these are the finest earplugs, only 50 gold. <laughs> Is amazing, yeah. That was uh, again as we were getting ready for that encounter. That was something that I, I would that was knowledge that I was privy to that Duristan was there, kind of as uh, um, to kind of mess with our party a little bit emotionally, and also could tip the scales one way or the another if he got loose and depending on how he was feeling. Um, but yeah, so that was I imagine that was a little bit of a shock. I'm excited to see what people think about that. Um, I like that Duristan weirdly has a, a strong emotional moral conversation with the group later that was unexpected from that character um, I think that was with Ikmer correct yeah. yeah yeah it was kind of like the you know you feel like you've been flying under the radar and I'm just some stupid guy this whole time <laughs> but like I see what's happening yeah yeah I was not expecting those uh caliber of questions coming from him and so it was 100 percent uh in the moment at that time yeah so yeah yeah i didn't think i was gonna go that deep with him until yeah it, it until it happened um a couple other things that i just want to touch on here um people might be confused why saw hits like a truck now and is very very different from when you last saw him in the evil interludes the character is more or less completely rebuilt. Yep. So initially when I knew he was coming on, he was only level seven. Cause that's the last profile I had from him from Vire. And I reached out to Griff. I was like, Hey man, I'm going to level him up to level eight because that's where I thought that you wanted me to take that. But, uh, Ikmer's going to fucking curb stomp him. Like he's never going to hit Ikmer. He's going to get fucking destroyed. And Griff's like, you know what? I'm going to make the encounter a lot more challenging overall. So go ahead and, one, add the natural born werewolf thing, and when you do, that's basically going to negate the moon cursed archetype. It totally does. So if you want to go back and add another archetype, go right ahead. And I was like, all right, that, I can make that work. Doesn't make a whole ton of logical sense. Oh, wait, I can tie that out with the backstory that I'm going to write anyway. How he legitimately dies. So that factored into that, but the way that I, that I rebuilt him... Eight level barbarian with the natural wear tiger template on top of there. And the archetype that I took was armored Hulk to try and give him some AC. And he's got, I mean, it's fairly respectable. It's about 28 when he's full hybrid and everything. Um, and he's got a lot of attacks and stuff. He can hit pretty hard. I, I mean, his strength is 31. Yeah. And you see, see, you see like the, the swinginess of AC though. Mm -hmm. Like, I had to completely turn off power attack, which, if Saw can power attack something, it's game over. But 
I had to turn off power attack just to have like a 20% chance of hitting Ikmer with your main attack. Yeah. <laughs> which is like completely bonkers. And I knew I knew the Saw and Ikmer fighting each other was gonna be like a bare knuckle brawl type situation where it's like missing a ton like even from Ikmer's side like a 28 is not super easy to hit and Saw's got all these extra attacks because he's got the um, rage powers to get the horns and he has the, the bite as well and I just knew that was going to be like like I think Saw out hit points you because he's a barbarian by like 40. 147 mm-hmm. is where I ended up. Wow. Yeah so like by at least 30. It's yeah, it's pretty much right at 30. And uh, <laughs> so I knew he was going to be really hard to bring down, but I didn't think that that's what would end the fight. Yes. And and that leads us right perfectly into our next point. So this is where kind of the most of our discussion pre episode took place, Griff. Th- this is where I think more than any other point the back half branches off because what do, you, what do you do if Saw dies? I know all of this exposition, but I can't deliver it if he if he dies. What do you do if Anya dies? Do you think Saw's really going to like not get upset about that? Um, what happens if, for whatever reason, somebody else draws Saw's anger and he literally like one rounds Matumbe? Like these are all very real possibilities that could have just destroyed what comes next. So we weren't trying to you know play it one way or the other or go away from there but there's so many different paths here that we needed to talk through and be ready for and basically if any of those things happened it would trigger the flashback and that flashback that i wrote basically for me closes out the character obviously he's still alive so there's still things i can do with him and keep talking but if he died right there i knew that was going to be the end of it none of you guys are going to resurrect him and no one on the whispering way is either so I had to be ready for that character to legitimately die there. And that's the purpose of the flashback. It was very good. Very good. And, the la- and I, I think you misspoke a little bit earlier. The The last time we sawyered him. <laughs> Come on. So the, the combat played out uh, in, in part because of what Steve said about Saw. Like, Steve said, like, this is how I want Saw to to react to situations. Like, I know you're running him, but this is how I, I feel like he would, you know, react to this or react to that. Doesn't help that Eclipse can now dish out, like, 70 damage around. And so she, like, she took Anya, like, unconscious or nearly unconscious in, like, a round or a round in a swing. <laughs> it was. Yep. And and so like that's what I thought might be the limiting factor of the combat is just the way Steve wanted Saw to play was that he would do anything to if Anya wasn't dead and she was in a really bad situation to not let her die. But I was fully ready to fight to the death if Anya died, which would have had a very different episode three. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Honestly, I, I the thing the main thing that I was afraid about for this particular fight was knowing going into this and knowing that Anya was an anti-paladin. 
uh, to me, right, I'm thinking about the character that I made for the Evil Interlude, which was Shala, and she has got a million auras and can really fuck people up if you get close to them. Um, as an emotion-based caster, here I am thinking, boy, I brought Anya in, and now she's gonna die. Um... Holy crap, like our Eclipse is going to die because of her because I was really, really worried about these auras. Um, come to find out, Griffin was saying that she's uh, less high in anti-paladin because she has a couple other stuff. Yeah, up Anya but. is a third level anti-paladin uh, with four levels in fighter. Yeah. So she's not, she's not the like aura dealing anti-paladin that you might expect. Yeah. And I think that works well into the character that Steve kind of wrote into the into the backstory that maybe wouldn't be going deep into the anti-paladin even though she had to in order to kind of fulfill this prophecy that the that the island woman had yeah and i mean i felt like it, it all made sense and i i i'm not at all surprised because um that, I, that was also a classic Paizo thing is to have like split yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't super shocked but I, I was like ready for and I mean Emily and I talked we are trying to get ready for the fact that like um, me and a motion based caster could have been put out I prepared a lot of spells for fear and death effects and I, I even cast uh, cast some of them as buffs before we went in because I was pretty sure she was going to be mm -hmm. throwing some like horrible negative energy mm -hmm. and like death spells at us and one of us like you know you roll wrong on one of those saves and you're gone yeah. speaking of which when you pulled out the holy smite I was like that motherfucker <laughs> That was, what a perfect spell. That was great. What a perfect spell to use. And like a three and a five on the die for me. Just blind for a round, which which completely negated the uh, the shitty thing about Strike Team Delta-ing, which was that you all had to like spend an action breaking through the window to get in. Um, so it negated that, which was... And it also, I think it allowed Ikmer to get a hit off... Uh, it allowed somebody to get a hit off because their AC was like way lower. I know Matuma got an early hit. It might not have been that one. It might have been yeah. the next round or something, but I hit early on Anya. Um, but uh, a qu question for, for my other players here. Did you expect Saw to try and join up with the party? Yes. You did? Yes. Okay. The minute that we crossed the hill and saw the werewolves fighting the undead, I thought, man... If he is actually the leader of the pack and doing this to be the leader of the pack and not just for some other personal gain, there's no way he doesn't side with Ikmer, who is trying to be ultimate good guy, realistically. Mm -hmm. like, I was like, there's no way. Like, if, if it comes down to it, I don't see why he or his wolves wouldn't just agree because we want the same thing. So that was the minute that I was yeah. like, we're going to join up. Like when we crested that hill and saw that fight, I was like, "That's it." Boy, I was I was really excited about that. Um, I when I knew that Saw was coming back in, we talked about this ex extensively, Griff. But I wanted to very much take it in a different direction than maybe people were expecting. Obviously, he was going to have some problems with the Whispering Way, his old evil interlude party, and he's in a very different spot than he is today. But unlike Dr. Viv, who comes back and is very clearly Dr. Viv. 
the basically the same Dr. Viv you see nine or ten years ago in the old evil interludes, saw as like a completely different person. And I really just had a lot of fun playing with that in, in my head and trying to figure out how that works and everything. Um, he's still not perfect, nowhere close to it, and Anya is still a very bad person too. Um, but that was just something I really enjoyed. Uh, Brooks, did you expect to join up with Saw? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, completely by surprise. I thought we were, uh, I mean, because both of us just have so much armor, it wouldn't be like missing each other. It would be hitting each other blow after blow, but it's who can get past the armor type of thing. And it comes down to 10, 20 hit, hit points left. And I mean, Saw was below half. And you, the, his fortification fucking armor saved him two crits. So I think had that not happened, like Saw might have been the one at sitting at like 20 HP. And I was very ready for Saw to leave the story because if Ikmer knocks Saw out at this point, like leaving Rage kills him if he's more than negative four. The southern yeah, drop in con is sudden barbarian death syndrome. I think they call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, like he he's not an unchained barbarian. He's a chained barbarian, and so that's the way that they work. Is if if you if you take them unconscious, they fall out of rage and they lose that extra con. And yeah, womp, womp. I, I, I think we talked about that. And if he if like if he gets brought down to zero or one, it was possible for him to survive, but like two or below dead. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, because you, I mean, you had what, like a 18 natural con or something? Something. It, it's high. It's, it's high. high yeah. It's high, but it's not enough to save you from the con drop just killing your health. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I had no idea we were going to join up at all. But then again, I'm I'm really bad at like stories and like predicting <laughs> really stories. Uh, yeah, so But I thought you knew it. Well, well, it always so, does after the fact. I yeah, I always fact. do. <laughs> yep. It I had a after uh, after we got done with this all, we ended up having a fire um just in Griffin Griff Haley's backyard and just talking through this was very very uh, cathartic for me, just working through all this stuff. And Brooks, you were cracking me up. I didn't see that coming. I had no idea. You guys kept me in the dark. I, <laughs> we sure did. I had no fucking idea. I, I was completely surprised. Uh, pleasantly surprised. Well, and I don't want to like... Like, Steve and I talked about this stuff because we had to. Because this character, just like just like Emily and I talked about the Viv stuff because we had to. Like, I didn't want the rest of you thinking immediately like, oh, yeah, uh, we're going to team up with Saw or whatever. But because Steve brought that up to me, I was like, okay, well, that's a that's a possibility. Yeah. And it was and that's all it was a possibility. We've mentioned very real possibility. It does not happen. Um, so again, I'm going to fast forward a little bit to the end of the episode. We had some great RP there. I really enjoyed being able to uh, play Saw against the um, original party and just kind of have that whole thing happen. But I got to say, 
the finale, the, the, the ultimate finale of part three. Griff, how dare you? Um, I texted Emily and I said, I think I'm going to have Viv do something like very evil. And she was like, well, I'm going to have like my boundaries, but like, <laughs> let me know what it is. And so I was like, I need to, I need to call you. I can just write this out. And so I, you know, I told her what, what that was going to be so she could RP it. And basically the reasoning I gave was that Viv doesn't have to travel through the Shutterwood to get to Feldgrau. She knows she's going there already. The road there is the same road from Leopardstadt to Caliphas. And who was traveling that road? But a group of people that were friends of the party. I don't think Viv liked being beaten and having her lab taken from her. And so when she saw that group of people with uh, with Larry, well, she knew she could probably get back at you. What an awful thing to do. Yeah. Not from Viv, from you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We were, we were talking immediately after the episode ended, and I was like, how dare you take down Seymour Wiener for the fans? <laughs> how dare you do that? I think that's that's going to be the gut punch for everybody. The fucking dead old Seymour. I, 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 thought, I thought you really, really enjoyed screaming Wiener. In, in I dare Arnold you to try accident. it in this combat. I dare you to try it in this combat. See what happens. <laughs> Oh man, that's gonna be like uh, electricity to uh, that robot yeah, it thing. Yeah, just gets fast. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so actually, as a little bit of a a prelude to episode one hundred and one, which undoubtedly is going to be almost as insane as one hundred. Ikmer saw this. What is he thinking, dude? Because these are his people. You know, I was personally so shocked about it. I it, it just didn't register. The I I just did not have the headspace for that at that very second. We we only had a, a few seconds to to register it. So I I just didn't have uh, I don't have a good answer for you, unfortunately. It's one of my favorite um like really fun and really kind of like like party building moments starkly contrasted with a huge gut punch and it's when like you have saw in large tiger form with Ikmer and Matumbe all shields up mm. in the phalanx like checking out what's going on like like we get a get a look at what the party's like when uh when their house gets broken into mm -hmm. they're out in the square and they're like you know everybody get behind us like everybody without a shield <laughs> and and then like to have that like funny and fun moment just like torn to shreds by this like i bet you were wondering where all those villagers went <laughs> But you need at least fifty to build this <laughs> this thing. Oh, my. oh God, dear you know, God! So sometimes when something is done so well, it, it if it as evil as it is, you kind of have to nod your head to it and say, "Yeah, that was all right. It was the worst, but 
It's all right. I was very surprised by Viv just being there in general. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not something I was expecting, even though Emily had her lab coat literally on her chair, and I asked yeah. her about it, and she's like, oh, it's in solidarity for Saul. <laughs> yeah, f- fuck uh-huh. off. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I was actually yeah. very surprised. I didn't expect that at all, especially not a 50-person-plus creature with her. Yeah, I, I didn't know that she would be there herself. Um, of, of course... Griffin had let me know as saw that like to, so I can deliver this exposition that hey there is a mad doctor with Orin Vrood right now it's Dr. Vivian Malice you know her um, so I, I knew that she would be involved in at least maybe the next four or five episodes what I didn't expect was her to tear everyone's soul out um, and Emily you and I had talked for like 15 seconds about like hey if uh, Viv and Saw ever meet up uh how do you think that would go? Yeah, I was happy that uh, we got to see that uh, kind of play out because as Saw obviously had a big change of heart, Vivian, with especially with the Zonkthon blessing, like she's going hard in that same direction, uh, not not getting any better. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a very interesting uh, difference between the two, even though they still had some like respect for each other yeah the the way that i describe it is like we might not have a personal beef but we're on the wrong side of a conflict we're on opposite sides of it so and of course had the rp with the cliffs he's gonna let her kill him he's gonna let her kill her if it comes down to it it's gonna happen oh god i loved that and i knew i knew it would make you mad i (laughs) i like Built this up to make you angry, Haley, because I knew like you as Eclipse would just hate this. Yeah, yeah, like she is not at so far. Like honestly, I don't think she's like, affected at all by like the massive villagers. That's not. She's like, all right, so she did some fucky stuff again, no. but like the fact that Viv is even near her is causing her to be seething angry. I don't know if he has the same like gut response, but I mean, Matumbe is right there with her. Like mm-hmm. we got our shit housed by Doctor Viv. Yeah, I'm like, like about ready to jump yeah. on Matumbe's back and say, "Charge! Let's yeah. go! <laughs> Turn big! <laughs> we going in? That is how we're opening 101. That's how it's Whoa. opening. Are you? You're a small creature. Or I am. Small? Yeah, I'm small. You yeah. can be written, or you can ride. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I know. You have, you, you have yeah, yeah, I mean, vehicles. make a ride check. <laughs> All right. I'm fine with it. Igmar, you're allowed to turn into a full wolf now. So Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that like, I mean, and now Saw, uh, Sawyer is uh, natural, so he could as well, too. And a large creature, so I could just... Oh, out, you I, could. I could out-meta everybody and have my one oh, character man. ride my other character <laughs> into <laughs> battle. <laughs> Which I won't do. <laughs> oh my gosh. But <laughs> secretly took his eighth level in Cavalier. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that would be amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thanks for exploring this with me, guys. I really enjoyed unpacking the last couple episodes because I, I mean, outside of this, even I still have so many open questions, so many things just churning around in my head. And I still walk through some of those old, some of the episode 100 interactions thinking about like thought experiments of how it could go one way or the other. Like that has not left me. 
Um, even though everything is set in stone now. Oh, I'm telling you, the, the, the stones, uh, or I guess the, the rock in my stomach from the amount of White Castle that was this episode uh, is still being digested what? indeed. <laughs> oh, let's move on. Well, that's how we know it wasn't the jalapeno burgers, because this flow right through you. Um, oh, first listener we question. We didn't get them. I was so sad. We were supposed to order them. We were celebrating. Let it go. (laughs) Our first listener question comes from Tilda. She says, I'm going to repeat a question I asked a long time ago that I assumed would be best answered with the whole crew in attendance, and I don't know if it'll ever get answered, as I might have missed listening to a few uh, Zona Cruz ago. Uh, Nah, I don't think we answered it. If we did, you're going to get it again. Um, Let's do a little thought experiment. If the roles were switched and the evil interlude party was the main campaign party and the main gang were the evil interlude ones with the Whispering Way, what would you change about the class archetypes or concepts or perhaps keep some of them as is? What personality traits would be changed or up slash downplayed? Choose to discuss this regarding both parties. So, who wants to go first? I will. Whoa, okay. (laughs) Sure. <laughs> Eclipse, change nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, so I, I wouldn't change my archetype. No. Um, I think that that's still adequate, right? A haunt collector, I feel like, is close enough to me to being into the undead and generally keeping, like, haunted possessions. So I wouldn't want to change the archetype. I would start, you know, more evil. Um, but the one I want to talk about that would definitely 100% change and have to change because I eat children, right, is Nana Opal. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would want to play and um, kind of be on a similar note, and it doesn't, it's not like a super impressive class or anything, but I would want to be an herb witch um, who makes herbal remedies and um, has to have oh. cauldron as like their second level. So like my good Nana Opal would be a, a herb witch and she would be serving healthy, yummy treats that actually uh, heal you. Vegan so, Oh, I, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're like She'd a Trisperigal. She'd be Granola. Um, but, Boy, if we ever played like the alternate universe for a one-off, that would be amazing. <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. good. So, <laughs> First uh, live show. <laughs> Swap it. <laughs> but yeah, that's what, like, Nena Opal would be the one that would change and I think she wouldn't. I don't think a lot of things would change about her. Like, I think she'd still want to make sure people are being polite and like manners and stuff. But I think she'd go about it obviously differently. Um, and in general, I don't think like uh, her core values as far as the way that like people should act around each other would change. It's just about uh, being like good and stuff. But yeah. Awesome. I, I absolutely love that. Uh, I, I, I think <laughs> she you just knocked on a quest to bring back Aridin. <laughs> yeah, these are so good. Haley, uh, Haley, I think you knocked it out of the park with this question. I'm going to hop in here real quick because my answer, I think, sort of mirrors mine in that if I were to flip flop mine, I think I would keep Matumbe's archetype the same. I mean, it's not great, but the flavor of it, I think, would be really cool to flip that from like. Uh, a cool Phrasma Inquisitor who is neutral but is effectively working on the side of good to the same guy beating people to death with the Bible because he takes it way too literally. Ooh, I love and, that. And also, it could, you know, I would probably flip deities to maybe like Urgothoa or something. I think it would be a lot of fun, even if it is the exact same concept. Um, I probably wouldn't dip into Investigator then because our evil interlude stuff is uh, usually a hair more combat focused than like Investigator. And I don't know that I'd have a whole ton of use for it. Um, if I were to switch um, Saw, who's 
I guess I would play him as Sawyer then. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. You've already done this. He's right. already part of the good party now. Yeah, that's true. Um, I I don't think I'd play the Moon Cursed archetype um, if because he would be the one frontliner and the Moon Cursed is pretty good, but I want something a little bit more dependable. Griff, I, th- I think you said it. Like, I've already done the switch, so maybe I would go Armored Hulk to kind of be able to tank a little bit more because the party would definitely need that. I would just feel weird because we've recorded a hundred episodes of this as opposed to like the dozen or so of the evil interlude. And I don't feel that like I would want to play a barbarian like that long term because it isn't quite as exciting. There's not so much to do. You just enter rage and just start attacking people. I think one of the cool things about the fact that like I made both of you natural lycanthropes and we almost alluded to it in uh, Matumbe detecting alignment and detecting like discerning lies on saw like a natural born werewolf or were tiger or where anything doesn't have to match the alignment of its lycanthrope form mm-hmm. and that's why we have the prince's wolves that's why we have Ikmer the neutral good uh werewolf that's why saw is able to actually move start moving away from chaotic evil um which we kind of hinted at there and it's it's a cool concept that i think for this question works really well it's like ikmer could be a a true lycanthrope but be evil uh for an evil party and saw can be a part of the good party and be moving away from evil Mm -hmm. and you're not limited by the rules of lycanthropes absolutely yeah, so uh, a fun thought experiment, Tilda. Let's talk to Emily next. I would have to do quite a bit of changing with my characters. So yeah. for, for Freya, she would uh, I would definitely not have her be a stoic caregiver. Um, and she would definitely have That's to have fair. a different deity. I think she could still be kind of nature-y focused, but it would be more corrupted version of that. Carnivorous plants. Yeah. That, mm. that could work well. Um, and I think she would be a little bit more similar to Ed Turner, you know, channeling negative energy. Um, she would be a, a different character. She could still maybe be kind of stern, uh, but instead of being like uplifting, being more uh, focused on herself. And instead of, you know, healing people, maybe spreading diseases or uh, scary plants that eat people. Who knows? Uh, for Vivian, again, I don't think I would play a vivisectionist uh, in the regular campaign. Uh, could definitely go with an alchemist, still very focused on her research, but instead of, you know, research at all costs, she would just have a few actual moral boundaries and would do research that would benefit people and she would want people to consent to her research and wouldn't be so focused on pain. I actually think this is a this is an interesting question for Viv because I think Viv is the kind of character that if she was initially pointed in the right direction, I feel like she would have gone that like in a direction that doesn't hurt people. I think if she was in a line of study that wasn't like human study and human anatomy and stuff, she would have voraciously tackled it, but wouldn't have been causing the harm that she currently does. So I feel like she could easily, you could just like point her 
away from that and she could follow a path and be at least a neutral character. Yeah, yeah. She could definitely have that same drive and dedication to her work. It just would need to be different work that would lead her down a better path. That would be super cool to see is like at what point where was where was that uh, that that fork in the road or whatever that made you go one way versus the other that well I, I think you mentioned it at least at one point with there was some research that went wrong or something like that but I don't know if that like that was the the straw that broke the camel's back or whatever that that pointed you or Vivian down that down that road, but that would be cool. Yeah, we definitely started like even in her uh, like grad school days. Like she was already starting to go down that path of like people were going missing, and like I think even when she was a student, she even took one of her TAs for her research purposes. <laughs> so we, we uh, did do that. Yeah. <laughs> How would you even be a good vivisectionist? No, I'm just curious. I I, I don't know that you can. Do yeah. You, do you consent to sewing your arms onto this dog? <laughs> <laughs> I did. So I don't think you could necessarily be good, but I think you could be like a lawful evil. And like, you know, someone's really poor and their family's poor. And so you like pay someone who's really old to like consent to the research so that their family's set up for life sort of thing. <gasps> We're gonna move on. <laughs> Let's see how that is. Uh, but it, but it's more of like it's still lawful evil. It would not be a good character. I don't think she. Or would even be good. neutral. But I said lawful evil. Yeah, okay. definitely be. Evil. Oh, okay. <laughs> what you're describing there is evil. I think. I think once you set up a class, it's like you. In most people's mind, like this is evil to even do these horrible experiments to animals and. That's kind of how the vivisectionist is set up to maybe not be an evil character. Like, I guess you could play that as neutral, but I feel like most people would be like, no, that's evil. That'd be like your pet cemetery, putting everything together. All right. Well, that was fun. Um, Let's talk to Brooks. (laughs) All right. Well, um, I hopefully can keep mine relatively short. I actually think that the evil Ikmer might be Saw. Yeah. I could definitely see I mean, that. that's that's why it was so wonderful to have them in combat, because actually, this is, this is something that I saw a little bit you doing with Ikmer before we hit 100, and it's, it's interesting that it parallels a little bit saw actually getting better like Mm -hmm. becoming a better person i saw a lot of ikmer like being angry like a somebody wasn't surrendering or like considering killing his you know sabriza like considering that when matumbe was like just give up just give up you know like and Mm -hmm. and there was like there was a little bit of an eclipse over his shoulder type scenario. <laughs> uh, and, and so I saw the, the parallel so clear where it's like Saw is going from like a truly despicable person to a more morally gray person just as Ikmer is going from a truly lawful good character to a more morally gray character. And like I almost think that's the power of like becoming a leader 
mm-hmm. in both circumstances. It's like you have to kind of you can't be an extreme for oh, yeah. this for this yeah. for this job. You kind of have to see all the sides, but like you were really forming like the type of leader you were gonna be in that. And there was another big decision you had to make right there in ninety eight. Yep. That yep. was gonna kind of ripple through one hundred if you made a different decision. Mm, yeah, I, I, I did, uh, I, I did recognize the importance of that decision. But yeah, he, he would, if he was an evil character, he'd stay childish, uh, stay holding grudges, and uh, definitely things like that. But Ed Turner, though, uh, I actually play in our return game. Uh, a uh, sensei Udmir who essentially uh, runs a dojo and brings everyone in of all cultures and all uh, different uh, walks of life and invites them in as uh, as they were his own at no questions asked type of thing and and that's what it, uh, Ed would want as well can I get okay. like three seconds of the Sensei Umir voice? Just say anything. Ooh, uh, but the kids at my dojo, they they need to stay protected. <laughs> yep, that's what we do. That's it. <laughs> Every Wednesday night. That was a sentence. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, uh, I, uh, it's good fun. Good fun. I'd like to see the, the like flocks he forms of of like good people like what he would stand for in that circumstance instead of like trying to like schemingly climb the ladder of uh, politics mm-hmm. I wonder what kind of like like how he would how he would find that same platform as a good character I think it'd be fun to explore mm-hmm all right um, we got a bunch of questions from Lord Deathquake and unfortunately we can't answer them all because I'm trying to give everybody a little bit of love Um, so I'm going to jump down a little further on the list Um, do you ever and I I imagine that this is kind of uh, targeted at Haley and myself do you ever regret making characters who are too good at mystery solving and ruining an entire murder mystery Uh, no definitely not okay next question (laughs) (laughs) no I mean I, I think I think I mentioned it where I was like yeah I mean this could this could be like an actual like I told you guys coming into book three this is going to be a murder mystery but you have characters that can basically bypass any of that I have like, like a 19 int as well like my character yeah. is fucking smart I mean fortunately from here on out it's like the the investigation is a little bit more minimal I think you know Paizo realizes that once you pass <laughs> like the mid levels you can't really do an investigation without having it solved in one spell so, um, shit, I got to retrain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you guys are skipping over Ikmer's superior tracking, uh, its survival ability. Yeah. You're really, uh, you know, Matumbe the Apprentice is really thriving under your tutelage. <laughs> That's right. No kidding. Uh, next question from Lord Deathquake. If you had to trade corruptions with another PC, which one would you slash your character want? Um, I'll just take the full lycanthrope. That's pretty cool. That helps. Yeah, I mean, the reason I, mean, I offer I know, I know, I know. <laughs> the corruption, though. The corruption, though, is awful. If you, mm. by the rules, uh, lycanthrope 
like if you are hit before you go in a round, you have to make the save. Otherwise, you unwillingly change. Which then like triggers your corruption track. Yes. It will save against your corruption track. So I think Lycanthrope is one of the easier ones to like fail the three saves and be taken over by the G- GM. Yeah, absolutely punishing. Absolutely punishing. Uh, if you were to give that away for something else, Brooks, is there something you'd want to give it up for? Oof. Uh, people in my head, uh, probably not. Uh, I have enough uh, problems playing a, a minimally uh, average smart uh, character. So playing two of them. Uh, nah, no, I couldn't do it. Average? Uh, uh, Statistically average. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, the. I I think the like the. Uh, oh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the the monster. The Promethean one. Deep the, ones. The deep one. Yeah, the deep ones. Uh. No, you don't want the deep ones curse. I looked into it. Oh, yeah, because you, you thought you might, I might be going that direction? Yeah. It's, like, not that great. A lot of them are aquatic-themed, which, you know, for book mm-hmm. four could be helpful, but most everything else is, like, not helpful if you're not in an aquatic-themed Yeah, and it's campaign. like, you need to go to the ocean for six hours a day or else <laughs> the character has to make the save. Oh, man. Like, there, there's, there's, like- there's some rankings on these, and I've kind of avoided the ones that are very much like a okay give your character to me because in three days it's gonna be mine wow there are some that are that punishing so i tried to keep those out of my options when i was kind of picking for you guys my goal here is that each of you think yeah maybe i'd trade one because it's got like cool powers but like my corruption is perfect for my character. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm trying to come from with it. If we weren't going to do one for that's perfect for the character or one that even really looked into too much mechanically, um, I just think the hive corruption is so fucking cool. Uh, it's basically like in an alien species from outer space. Um, you ingest something or you get afflicted or whatever, and you're slowly turning into like a space bug. There is some really, really horrifying art in the uh, horror adventures guide for this. It's the iconic Marisol, the uh, the iconic Elvin um, rogue. And she is she like her jaws gone and it's replaced with mandibles and she's like all spiky and spiny and chitinous. Um, I can't for the life of me figure out how I would make that work in Carrying Crown, but I just think it's so cool. Nice. It's so cool. I, I was thinking of what Lyra had initially in the very beginning. Uh, so Lyra had an oracle curse, which is different because oracles have curses and mysteries. With the, mm. the, the brain tentacle thing that always chased us around? That's, that oh, was, that, that oh, wasn't, that's she was thing. going to get a corruption, but she, she saved. Well, that, that was not a corruption, yeah. Not yet. It wasn't yet. Anyways, <laughs> I think that thing following you around everywhere you go, being constantly paranoid would be like, I mean, awful, but it'd be really fun to play. Oh, it was like, super just being cool. paranoid like, all the time, all the time. Yeah, I loved having the Nethel go around. That's, great, that's great the word I was looking for. 
I mean, I mean, we didn't, but glad you had fun. <laughs> uh, Haley, how about you? You're the only one right now that technically has one. At least that I know about. Yeah, um, I, I mean, as much as I like my corruption, there aren't, like, I wouldn't, I don't think the werewolf or anything would be, would make sense, uh, neither with Deep One, but I was looking at other corruptions uh, that are not on the show, right, because, um, there aren't enough that I could just trade with, since Freya and Matumbe are apparently currently fine, so, um... <laughs> With that in mind, I was looking at other ones, and I, I have thought for, like, a long time, another cool one that's not totally with the Carrion Crown, like, theme necessarily is the Promethean that Griffin actually mentioned. Yeah, I it's so cool. love the idea of it because your body decays and then you're slowly replacing it with um, other other bits and pieces. And to me, like, as a hunt collector, to me that makes sense and I think it'd be really cool if I start replacing my body and collecting things that are, like, also potentially my haunts and implements. So the only way I was going to give that one out is if we had an alchemist in the party in yeah. book two. Um, but that's another one that you're gone in, like, a week. Absolutely, yeah. So like, it's just it's, impossible to keep. <laughs> it's it's like a cool theme, and I thought it would be. I thought like if anyone could get that, that would really make sense mm-hmm. for Eclipse because she could, is like literally collects things. But yeah. Anyways, I I also read through that one a little bit, and I also appreciate that like the further down the corruption track you go, they literally say in there like you stop connecting with people, you stop having very many emotions. Like, by the end, you're just, like, kind of true neutral and brain dead. It's like, oh, how fun to RP. <laughs> yeah, like, you turn into a flesh golem. <laughs> but, yeah, it's. I think it's so fucking cool. And, again, the art for that is is wicked. Like, you know, the guy's got, like, an animated, like, tree arm, and then the other one's mechanical because you're just re- whatever you can replace your body with, you are. Um, it's it's very awesome. Uh, next question that we have is from Random Lad eighty eight. When is Steve going to get that white spiral tat? Anybody else getting some carrying cream? Uh, oh, not carrying cream. You like that? You uh, like that? Horace was in the fucking letter. Oh, I yeah. did. Yeah. Boy, book four is gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else getting carrying crown? Themed ink. God, I struggled through that. I almost didn't get it the second time either. <laughs> Karen um, Cream Ink. I don't know. I, I I am going to get Pathfinder tattoos. I want to get something for the end of our big Rune Lords thing because we've had that going for so, so many more years. I'd like to get something Carrying Crown. I don't know what yet, though. Um, to me, the white spiral looks a little bit like a big sperm spinning around and I don't really want that on me so (laughs) that's one uh, take (laughs) once you see it you can't unsee it that's all I'm saying so I I, I don't know yet I don't know if anybody has any any ink planned up I mean this doesn't even have to be carrying god damn it carrying cream exclusive we're just gonna go with that Um, it's what your mouth wants apparently it is phrasma spiral Phrasma Spiral. <laughs> oh yeah, cream rises to the top. All right, no one's going to answer this question. Yeah, well, I, so well, I, I, mean, I, mean, I was waiting for you guys, but yeah, oh, I already okay. have Carrying Crown Inc. I have the, the Whispering Tyrant. Dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I would like to, and I probably will at some point. Don't know what. Uh, it actually might be more related around uh, uh, hideous laughter itself. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I, I'm super indecisive, and so like I've thought about getting a tattoo a million times here and then have stopped uh, because I'm super indecisive. 
but I think it would be cool that uh, to have elements that I understand relate to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I would think. Dope. Yeah, I don't really have any plans to get a tattoo. But, you know, if I found something I really like, maybe someday. Maybe someday. Uh, maybe a white spiral. <laughs> maybe a white spiral. <laughs> All right. Oh, carrying crown or uh, the hideous laughter skull neck tat. Oh, yeah. Perfect. I thought you'd just get that over your face. I, ooh, under my lip, maybe. <laughs> ooh, get a, get a teardrop for every one of your characters that gets killed. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, no. You get one. No, you're <laughs> sorry, Emily. You got to get one already. <laughs> sorry. All right. Bye, sleepy lady tart. Uh, is gonna ask, did Brooks in fact know it? And I think we answered that earlier. He did not. Obviously. <laughs> That's every single time. I, uh, yeah. He knows it. Every time. So I always like to end on something a little fun. And um, there's some wild stuff I'm about to read right now. But Bear Eclair on our Discord DM'd me with a question for each one of us. And these are questions that I have hidden from the rest of the group. I want this all to be come naturally um so i'm gonna go around and we're gonna kind of lightning round this you're each gonna get your own just react naturally and we'll see we'll see what happens the first one's for griffin now that you're officially heading a boomer ass podcast can we expect your dm voice to permanently shift into the husky honk horse croon and all the horror to take a hard and throbbing shift into more kinky and chowdery territory i mean (laughs) <laughs> That's where we're starting. If it, if it wasn't obvious, yes. Take a lot of horse grin. Okay, Steve, your mortal enemy, Allard from the Dice Crisis, all right, <laughs> has lured you into one of his dastardly schemes once again. A snake girl, the PaizoCon 2019 Amiri cutout, and a frosty can of hams all dangle from ropes. Oh my god! <laughs> a vat of deadly acid, and you can only save one while the others will be lowered into their doom. Which do you choose? Um, the snake girl's the only sentient creature, so I feel like I have to do that. But uh, frosty cold hams. Uh, I don't know. That cutout that was pretty good. <laughs> that was definitely worth like two cases of hams. No, yeah, I got, I got, I got to go to Pilot One Twenty Nineteen Amiri cutout. And if you're uh, curious what the story behind that is, I'm not telling you. <laughs> uh, all right, Doctor Campbell, Brooks, that's not you. Uh, Emily, now that you are officially certified, can you add your professional opinion on the still ongoing debate as to whether or not cannibalism is as morally wrong as it is tasty? I personally understand the concerns of the anti-fun camp, but I still believe that we can't scientifically know that it's immoral until more tests have been conducted. Anti-fun camp. All right. So outside of the fact that it is immoral to eat another human being, which I'm just going to put out there, just just base level. It's also really bad to eat humans because you get all of the diseases and you can get some pretty nasty brain spongy diseases from prions. Kuru kuru, really scary, nasty. Don't eat humans. No cannibalism. I have two new diseases to look up. (laughs) (laughs) They're bad. Man, that body gave Brooks kuru kuru and herpes. (laughs) Oh boy. Okay. Next question is for Brooks. Why are you like this? <laughs> oh, come on, man. Oh. <laughs> he fucking got Why you. Why did he do that, man? God, all the ones are ridiculous for this one. Ridiculous. What it is. It's just a slam. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, 
I could. Uh, I knew it. <laughs> I I don't obviously. He doesn't uh, know. It. <laughs> no, uh, Brooks is I, broken. I, I, I'm like this uh, because there are certain choices that one makes in in their life, and uh, sometimes we are pulled to the stars by a greater greater being and then there are other parts of us that uh, want to gravitate closer to the center of whatever planet they may be on and so uh, the seasons our next question goes to Haley (laughs) (laughs) Haley since you've been practicing to kill all your friends in a contrived death maze in Sims 4 for a while, when we can expect our Patreon dollars to begin funding the real thing? Do you need saps for your trial runs? I am available and have a cow plant vor fetish. If you can figure out how to make a cow plant in real life, like, yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I uh, don't tell the others, obviously. Whenever you can say I invite in front you. of all of us. No, <laughs> Whenever we continue planning, don't tell the others. Okay. All right. Uh, the call to arms has been raised. And we finally have one shout out. It's not even a question, really. Um, this one goes to Chris, who is not here. <laughs> <laughs> Very simple. Chris, fuck you. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) All right. Oh, boy. So I I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was uh, Barrett Claire's thoughts that he wanted to get in here, and I shouldn't have let it happen, but I did. Yeah, you did let that happen. (laughs) Much appreciated. Hit me up about that cow plant, though. God damn, what have we started? All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Brooks, Emily, Haley, it's always a pleasure having you on. Um, I really enjoyed deconstructing book three's near conclusion question mark of episode 100 and really really look forward to seeing what we got coming up soon corpses lots of corpses mm-hmm. hell yeah well i'm excited so thank you great for having me well you all succeeded your will save congratulations i think it's about time we wrap it up you guys want to say anything to the fans in particular or we're just going to sign this bitch off a hundred's done i not in my wildest dreams. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. Yes, thank you. It's a hard, hearty yeah. thank you. And thank you to Griffin. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Our yeah. Fe- fearless leader. You're welcome. It was a shit ton of work, and it doesn't go unnoticed. Absolutely. So, Well, yeah, it can't go unnoticed, because we recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, whatever. You want to say you, something you to the fans? You heard that. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for listening this far. 100 episodes is a long part of your lives to dedicate to listening to this show uh we recognize that thank you i hope you um as as we've just said uh realize the amount of hard work we've put into this for almost two years um and obviously not just me i mean fucking listen to episode three of this and you will hear people role play for almost two hours <laughs> like like without any GM intercession and uh, you know that's just a testament to the story we've built and the story I constantly get to you know bounce off my friends and make their story and I think that's the most the, the biggest thing you should take from episode 100 is that like 
This is everyone at this table's story. Everything is tied into it, and um, they've made it what it is. And so um, I'm really proud of it. I know you guys are too. Well put. Well put. Let's go home. How about that? Sounds good. Want to say anything to the fans? Yeah, finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. Later.